It's time for the Smart Money Questions Podcast with Matt Hausman. This is the show that provides you with a sound financial education and helps you avoid financial pitfalls. Make sure you are asking the right questions by listening to the Smart Money Questions Podcast. It's time for another edition of Smart Money Questions, the podcast that helps you get a little bit better educated from a financial standpoint and hopefully gives you a really nice picture of what true financial planning should look like. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Matt Hausman, and today we're talking about what it looks like to quiz your advisor. In our eyes, there's no such thing as a dumb question, and so we're going to tackle a lot of the different questions that you should be asking a potential advisor or perhaps even your current advisor. And we're assuming you haven't asked them these things before. And maybe you've asked them some of these things. Maybe you haven't. I think we're going to find the conversation enlightening. And Matt, I want you to tell us not only why we should ask these questions, but a little bit of like what the answer should also kind of look like and where red flags might pop up in these conversations. And I'm going to start you out with what might seem like a very tough question. If I were to quiz an advisor, and this is the very first question I ask, you would probably be like, all right, this client is, he's coming out swinging. He's coming with his, armed with his questions for sure. And the first one would be, how do you get paid, Matt? Why would that be important to ask an advisor a question? Well, you know, that is such an important question. And I have people ask me that all the time. And I believe that I'm very transparent with that. I speak very freely, but I'm so amazed at when we go through the process of planning with a new client is they never asked that question before. And then as we look at that, where their investments are and the different costs that are associated with that, and they will make comments to me like, well, I don't pay. I don't pay my advisor a fee. Mm-hmm. And I'm, my first thought is, well, let me ask you something. Is he sitting at a Starbucks with just his cell phone and an iPad? Or is he like in an office? Oh, no, he's in an office. He's in a real nice life. He's like, well, he's one of the big boys, you know, the Wells or the Morgan Stanleys. I was like, well, do you think that they're in there doing it for free? <laughs> and, you know, I usually don't get a laugh. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, it's more and, of a quizzical, uh, well, yeah, go on, and, and, go on. <laughs> and And so when they... And I, I've had moments when, when we've gone through those processes with people that some of them have become very, I'll use the word enlightened, and then they'll recognize why they're not seeing a fee. I've had others get very angry. And then this is the one that I thought was most interesting is had someone go through that process and we were in the, we were going to be moving money from one of the large big wirehouses and all she saw on an annual basis was a $35 fee. And we had discussed what our fee was multiple times through the different meetings that we had. And then we, we started to move some of the money. And she got a statement and she saw our fee. And now keep in mind, she'd only seen a $35 fee before. And now she was seeing our fee. And yet our funds are much different than the other funds that were there. As a matter of fact, when she actually saw those costs, she was she was rather upset. But now our fee is visible. It's transparent. There is nothing left to the imagination. And as I'm discussing it with her, I'm recognizing she would rather almost remain ignorant to what those fees are instead of seeing it. 
So wow. asking the advisor, I, it was a wow to me too. Uh, so say that again, Max. I think that, that bears repeating. She would rather stay ignorant of the fees than to know to than to know what they truly are. What what did you say there again? Yeah, it, what she recognized was in her own, and actually in our conversations, I, I looked at her and I said, "What I'm gathering right now is because you're actually seeing our fee versus before you never saw the fee. Yet when you found out what it was, you were pretty upset. You would rather remain ignorant." In other words, if I don't see the fee, I don't think there's a fee there. Right, right. What I can't see can't hurt me kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Correct. And she decided that that's, in our conversations, we decided we weren't a good fit. Wow. And that, because our fee isn't going to go away, and we will always be transparent with what those those fees are. But here's the interesting thing. Is <laughs> I, can, you, I can hide them for you if you'd like, ma'am. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it's so funny you say that, Walter. I can't. So I, I can't because of the way that we're licensed and our transparency in our disclosures, we actually have to do that. I can't hide what those fees would be. So, you know, this is a real important question that I, I believe people should be asking their current advisor and how do they get paid? Because the reality is, you know, if they're sitting in an office or even if they're sitting at a Starbucks with an iPad and a phone, somehow, some way they just bought that coffee, which means they had to get paid somehow. And that's what you want to have an understanding. And are you, most importantly, are you okay with that? That's interesting. What a question. How do you get paid? Takes in a lot of different directions. So if you've never asked your advisor or you're interviewing new advisors, you want a revealing question, ask them how do you get paid? And that gives you an idea of maybe how that conversation might play out and what to look for. And here's another interesting one, Matt. Do you have a particular strength or specialty? Why would you want to ask about specialties and, and particular areas of strength? Well, it's really important to make sure that what their strength and specialty is, is what you're looking for. And I'll give you an example. In there's, I've talked numerous times about there's different investment philosophies for accumulation of wealth versus distributing wealth and what that looks like. But even from what are their tax strategies? Do they just work with small business owners? Do they have a legal aspect that is really their strategy? And the reason that you want to ask those, and hopefully they can articulate that back to you, is to make sure that what you're looking for is actually what the strength of this particular person and or firm is to make sure you're getting what you want. Yep. I think that's key. So look for specialties, look for strengths. Also, a great question to ask that'll kind of dovetail off of that one, Matt, would be, how do you describe your investment approach or philosophy? I imagine that that should kind of align with maybe your approach to financial planning. You want someone who's going to be like-minded? Correct. Absolutely. And, and this is really an important one. And many times when people come in and, and we begin the process is I'm very upfront to let them know we have a, a very, I don't want to use the word strict, but I don't deviate from it, investment philosophy that we utilize. And let me explain what that is. And then we go through that educational process. We give them information and I let them know, listen, I understand this is not for everyone and I'm not here to sell you on it. But if it's something that you recognize, wow, this is really something that I like, then we can start the process. And invariably, I'll say, have you talked to you, if they have an advisor, did you talk to your current advisor about what that investment philosophy looks like? I had this happen a couple years ago and they made the comment, well, 
yeah, as a matter of fact, we did. And, and we understood it to be kind of similar to what you do. But when we went back and we looked at, we went back over the course of a full year and we looked at all of their statements. And what they recognized was, is their advisor wasn't even close to the investment philosophy that he had described to them. There was so much movement going on in their portfolio. And guess what? If we go back to the first question, how do you get paid? They didn't really have a good conversation or a conversation at all about the client and they really weren't seeing any fees. But once they understood that what that person described as their investment philosophy, but then what the proof showed was they were getting paid off of a completely different investment philosophy. And that's why mm. they were questioning, you know, what's actually going on? I'll never forget it. The first time they walked in there, we always ask for current statements or something within 90 days so we can start our planning process. And their statement, are you ready for this? Was 126 pages. <laughs> An impressive book. Yeah. I mean, literally Amazing. it was, I mean, they walked in and it was, I mean, think about that. That's like a quarter ream of paper. How can you and, even like understand your plan if it's that long and that crazy detailed? Yeah. I mean, I was, and I asked him, I said, do you have any idea why? I said, I can see a statement being like 20, 25 pages and, and maybe the last five to seven pages are disclosures because it, you know, those are necessary by law, but I, I a hundred and some pages. I mean, and he goes, no, I, I, they're always like this. And I go there. And that's why we went back 12 months. Wow. That's killing a lot of trees. To see that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. I said, you know, you might want to be on e-delivery. That's amazing. Yeah. If there was ever an incentive to give someone a discount for, uh, yeah, for paperless delivery, that would be the approach for sure with that statement. That's amazing. And, and it, it is good to point out that, you know, size of the plan doesn't matter. It, it's about the quality of the plan. So the success and the strength of your retirement plan shouldn't be defined by how long it is. It should be about what, you know, what's actually in those pages. What's the substance? That's much, much more important. If you're quizzing your current advisor or you're interviewing potential advisors, we'd recommend asking this question. How much contact do you have with your current clients and how often should we meet in person or have a conversation over the phone? What's the communication going to look like? What can I expect in terms of you know frequency and what we're going to be talking about? Logical question, but a lot of people don't set that expectation up front. And they don't, and they really should. One of the things that we like to do is we'd like to let them know after they become a client moving forward, this is how we interact. We also have that conversation at the very beginning. So we're reminding them after they've become a client. But the reason that you want to make sure that you're asking that question is does it meet your expectations? Because many times I'll come in and, you know, the person hasn't talked to their advisor in 12, 18, 24 months. And they're like, oh, yeah, I called a couple times and they've never called me back. And I was like, well, did you have those conversations up front? Is the advisor maybe not necessarily direct contact with you? Are they providing other ways that the advisor can be helping educate you on either current events or other things that goes back to your plan with that advisor? Are they providing those other things? You know, Walter, quite frankly, when you and I met probably about seven, eight months ago, one of the things that I really enjoyed about being able to put out this podcast is another avenue for our clients and, and whoever they want to share it with as a way to get information mm -hmm. out that goes back and reinforces the things that I talked about day after day after day and make sure that they can hear that. And now they can hear it whenever they want to. 
But making sure that you ask your advisor that is really important because what I have found is whenever there are expectations that haven't been met, many times it's because there wasn't an initial communication to establish what that expectation is. And is it real or is it unrealistic? I mean, I've got some clients that I communicate with on like an every month or every other month basis. I've got other clients that the way they would rather interact, especially those that are out of state, is they're okay with email communication. Maybe a phone call once every six months, once a year. They're okay with that. But other than that, their form of communication that they like is email communication. Others, they don't want to see email. They want to have voice or they want to have personal meetings. And so understanding what that is up front is extremely important to maintain that expectation. Absolutely. I like, Matt, that you meet people where they're comfortable. So this is the mode of communication that I prefer. And then you and your team are willing to meet them there. I think that's important. It really is. I'll give you an example. Recently, we just had a client event. And I know that there are clients that we have that will, no matter how awesome I make a client event, you know, I mean, I could bring in their favorite singer and they're not going to show up because they're not comfortable in those group situations. I have others that absolutely love that interaction with other clients and, and being able to hear questions that come from other people that maybe they didn't think about. And so the ones that don't come, I mean, we're still going to invite them. Maybe a blue moon, they show up. But if it's, I recognize that person would rather have a phone call or they would rather listen to a podcast. I've got one client that has referred probably about five people to us over the course of the last couple of years. And she just would prefer not to come to an event, but she likes the interaction that we have by telephone and in person. And so that's really, and I know that we're meeting those expectations for her because I've had those conversations with her. It's pretty neat to see how that works. And again, meeting people where they're comfortable in terms of communication. All right, we could continue to pile a list of great questions to ask your advisor or a potential advisor, but in the interest of time, let's just throw out one more here, Matt. And this is a good one because financial planning firms, advisor firms come in all shapes and sizes. You've got the big name firms that are literally made up of thousands and thousands of employees across the country. And then you've got your local guy all the way down to, you know, literally a one person firm, not even a receptionist or a, uh, you know, a front desk office person, literally just the advisor working alone, kind of doing his own thing. And so you've got everything in between as well. So a great question to ask is when I become a client, am I going to be working with you someone on your team or will it be both or some other combination we haven't thought of? (laughs) Yeah. And that's a really great question because there's nothing, if this question hasn't been asked and let's say you are, and this does happen at some of the larger firms, if you haven't had that question and then all of a sudden you feel kind of pawned off because now you're never speaking to the person that brought you into the firm. You're only speaking with someone on the team you might feel a little neglected. But if that conversation would have happened up front and the advisor would have let you know, well, listen, as we move forward, I'll be involved in this part, but then we have team members that'll take care of this, this, and this. Then there's an understanding what it's going to look like moving forward. But if their conversation doesn't happen at the beginning, it goes back to that loss of expectation ends up happening and and people end up feeling neglected. So it really is 
an important question to have. Yep, absolutely. So these are some good questions for you to think about. Quiz your current advisor or if you're interviewing new advisors now or sometime in the future, refer back to this podcast. Think about some of the important questions you can pose that'll make sure that you're working with the right advisor, that you find an advisor who's going to be a good fit for you, for your stage in life, for your emotional approach to investing. Do you have similar philosophies? Are your goals being considered during your retirement years? All of these are really important questions to ask. How are they getting paid? What level of transparency are you comfortable with or do you desire? And make sure you're checking off all of those boxes. And uh, keep this podcast flagged. Maybe bookmark it, especially if you're thinking about working with a new advisor in the future, or you're going to come in and talk to Matt. You want to quiz him, throw these questions in his direction as well. He'd be happy to answer them. You can bookmark this page. If you have a friend or a family member who's looking for a new advisor, send them this podcast. Have them take a listen. They can refer to it and get some good guidance before they go and interview those advisors and decide on uh, the next person and they're going to engage in that professional relationship with, I think this info can be pretty helpful. Be sure to uh, call Matt if you have any questions or want to talk about your financial situation, 610-719-3003. That's 610-719-3003. You can also find him online at smartmoneyquestions.com. Maybe that's where you're listening to today's podcast, and that's great. More information there on the website as well. That is smartmoneyquestions.com. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and uh, just check back to smartmoneyquestions.com each week when the new podcasts are posted as well. One of our favorite types of podcasts coming up next week. We're going to dig into the mailbag and answer some of your questions. I think we've got long-term care on the agenda, TSP plans. We're talking a little bit about you know maybe working with an advisor for the first time. I think Reginald's got a good question on that and a couple of other things on the docket as well. So join us back here for the next Smart Money Questions podcast next week. For Matt Hausman, I'm Walter Storholt, and we'll talk to you soon.